0: This morning scripture reading for the lesson is taken from Revelations chapter 20, verse 11 to the end of the chapter. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the, book, and the dead were judged out of the, those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And dead and, and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire.
1: Am I okay? Everybody hear me fine? I didn't grab the microphone. Okay, good, good. So, bear with me just a second here. Good morning to each and everyone. Glad to see such a fine number out on a very cold morning. Uh, means a lot that you, you. Got out of you, like Kyle said, your warm bed, and, and made your way here this morning to hear, hear a lesson from God's Word and to be gathered with, with brethren of like fi- faith. I'd like to start off by, uh, especially, uh, I'd like to thank Jonah for his song selection this morning. Uh, I told him what I was preaching on, and, and uh, he set the tone very nicely for our lesson this morning. My lesson this morning is on when the role is called up yonder, as you may see there. And I'll talk a little bit more about the slide in, in a little while, but I believe I will. But I ask the question of each one of you this morning. Where will you be when the role is called up yonder? This is what I want you to ponder this morning. I want each one present to consider the judgment scene. The James Milton Black story, he's the author of the song, I'm not sure that's the right term, when the role is called up yonder. And that's what we're going to talk about here in a little little while. But I want to talk about a couple of other things first before we get into that story, because it's really not a very long story in and of itself. So I'm going to start off this morning by telling you how this lesson did, or did not, and did come about. This is not originally one of the talks or sermons on the top songs that we're doing this year here at Westside. Although, I did note that it is one of the top songs, one of the top 50 songs. I don't personally know where it falls in the order, but I will confess to you this morning that I personally enjoy this song very much. I had originally intended to preach this lesson. I was actually scheduled to preach this or a lesson back in December, and I had picked this out at that point in time, but my sermon was moved to this date, as upon my prior date there, we had a fine visiting preacher that morning, uh, Carl Peterson, and I didn't mind being bumped off one bit to hear Carl preach. He did a outstanding job for us but as some of you some of you may already know this is not the first time that i have given an invitation or a talk on this subject the first time that i presented this talk on when the role is called up yonder It was a couple or several years back. Uh, I didn't date it, so I don't remember exactly what the date was or how many years ago it was. I do know that Mike O'Neill was mentioned in it, so it was either after Mike had just left or before Mike had just left. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember is that it was on a Wednesday evening, which brings me to the first point I want to make. There was a time when I faltered. You know, we are supposed to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, that we, that we may be healed, that you may be healed, that we may be healed. We can see that in James 5 and verse 16. So here it comes. I want, to turn, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would turn with me please, to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Towards the end of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And I want you to read with me this admonition from the Hebrew writer. And I want you to keep in mind as I read this and as I talk to you this morning that I have no illusions of perfection. My wife keeps those in check for me. But I am trying hard to bring my thoughts into captivity of the obedience of Christ. What I preach to you, I preach to myself. From the Hebrew writer, we're going to read Hebrews 10, verses 22 through 31. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much more, as as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and again the lord will judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god there was a time there was a time when i really didn't want to read these verses Because they convicted my soul. They cut to my heart. You see, I had started, and I'll call it what it is backsliding. And I had conjured up many excuses in my mind. About why it was okay to forsake the assembly. None of which. Or at least very few of which were acceptable. In the sight of our Lord. I can tell you. You know it's a long drive for me to get here. It's most it's 35 miles. Right right there at. And. That's 70 miles round trip for me to drive in my car to be here. Is that an excuse not to come? Speaking of distances, our Lord Jesus had to carry his cross 2,000 feet for me. Although he, he did have help from Simon and Cyrene, but I still can't help to think that cross was heavy. But the weight of the sins of you and I and the whole world were upon him as he carried that cross. You know, sometimes I would miss church because, well, I didn't feel like coming. I, I didn't feel well. Or, you know, maybe I had a stomach ache or a headache. Or maybe I'd stayed up too late the night before, and I was just tired. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't have a really good reason sometimes. But I wonder, I wonder how it felt to be scourged and to have a twisted crown of thorns put upon his head. I wonder how it felt to be spat upon and to be mocked and hit with a reed. I wonder, I wonder if I would like the taste of sour wine and mingled with gall to drink. I might because I'm not a big fan of pain. And That was supposedly to help stop the pain. Once someone starts down the path of forsaking the assembly, it becomes easier and easier to do it. And that's the way with most sin. I hope you understand my point. It becomes easy to find excuses not to assemble when Satan is having his way with you. I'm not saying that they are not legitimate excuses, because there most certainly are. When I am truly sick or ill, I will stay home, mostly because I'm stingy and I don't like to share. But God knows our hearts. You would turn with me to Ezekiel. Take me a second to find it here. I didn't mark that one. Ezekiel chapter 18. If you'd like to follow along. Starting in verse 20. The soul whose sins shall die. The Son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does What is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. The soul that sins, it shall die. You know, on judgment day, God is not going to hold me accountable for what you do, what you have done. So so the excuse, well, everybody else was doing it, that's not going to be a valid excuse. The thing is, if you really have a problem with what someone else is doing, maybe you should talk to them. Maybe you should call them and encourage them. Maybe you should lead by example. God knows. And we will have to give an account to God. If you were to look up in a dictionary, or you could Google it, and you look up the definition of forsake, I'll tell you what it means so you don't have to look it up. It means to abandon someone or something. It means to renounce or give up something valued or pleasant. So my encouragement to you would be not to abandon or to give up on God. Don't forsake his assembly, if at all possible, You know, you might turn your Bibles back to Hebrews chapter 13. The elders, we have the elders, and the deacons, they are in good faith shepherding the flock. I mean, I believe they are. I really, truly believe they are. They are in good faith shepherding this flock. Let's look at Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. And turn a couple pages back further in your Bible to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to read starting in verse 1. The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion but willingly not for dishonest gain nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I don't believe that the elders are trying to be burdensome by asking us to be here three times a week. I don't think they're asking too much. So let me ask you something this morning. How well do you know your Bible Do you know your Bible so well that you don't need Bible study? I want you to show me the hands of you all that know the Bible so well you don't need to study it. I don't see any hands. Because if you know your Bible that well, you should be teaching class. Or you should be the one up here giving the talk or preaching. You know we have the need for Bible teachers and preachers. Here we are starting a new year. A couple weeks in, some of us may have made a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna I'm gonna read my Bible more. I'm gonna I'm going to study, and I'm going to apply, and I'm going to become more faithful. Here it is two weeks into the year. How's that going for you? I hope you're doing well. You know, we have Bible study every Sunday morning and every Wednesday evening. If you are unaware that you are invited, we would love to have you. We would love for you to share your knowledge with us. We would love to have you in attendance. We would value your insight or your perceptions. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, and verse 15, it states, starting in, chapter, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How, answer me, can you study yourself approved if you don't study? I'm going to speak personally here. I need all the help I can get. I'm like the Ethiopian eunuch. How can I I if I need someone to guide me? I personally need others to help. To guide me and we have some great we have some great classes with great teachers here you know we have some new teachers thank you to our new teachers and these new teachers they could use encouragement I put Dennis Miller on here because he's leading a a class and I know he hasn't got a lot of experience doing that and it means so much to me. It encourages me so much to see someone come up here who hasn't done it a lot and and you've not yet seen me in my 32 years preaching adult class. I've taught the junior high and the high school and that and I'm just terrified to teach an adult class because I just don't think I have the knowledge. But I'm so proud of the teachers and their willingness to do it. And we've got a lot of people who've been raised in the church who have knowledge. Please share it. It takes courage to teach a class. So I want to thank our teachers. You know how you can express appreciation to your teachers? show up for class. We can't have a sound church without sound sound teachers. And we can't have it without sound students either. I'm also thankful and grateful for those willing to preach in the absence of a full-time preacher. We've got a lot of men that have come forward in the last many months and who've stepped up and who have preached preached for us, and it means so much. I can vouch very much that it's not easy to put together a sermon and stand before a congregation knowing that God will hold you accountable for the things that you say. Okay, so time to come off my soapbox a little bit here. So I've told you that this lesson is not a part of the lesson on our West Side songs, but it is on the list of the top 50. I originally came up with this talk on this song, One Service, because One Service is me and my wife were sitting in the pew beside me We were sitting there, and she looked around, and she called to my attention that no one in attendance that particular day had been attending services here at Westside longer than us. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are a few souls here at Westside that were here when we started coming, and they're still here, albeit there are not very many. They just didn't happen to be there that particular day. Excuse me. Now, in my approximately 32 years here at Westside, I've seen a lot of souls come and go. Families have moved in. Families have moved away. Many members have raised families while serving here at West Side. Which, you know, I was debating how I wanted to interject this or if I even wanted to. But there's a couple of things that discourage me. And I mean, we all have things that discourage us. But I'm going to tell you a couple of things that really discourage me. Church jumpers discourage me. I don't read about church jumping in my Bible. Maybe it happened. Maybe I'm just not aware. But I don't read about church jumping in my Bible. That discourages me. And I've seen it happen. And another thing that discourages me is hypocrites. And don't get me wrong, I've been hypocritical before. But I grew up with parents... And they weren't so bad, although it probably did happen. But I knew other people. And they would take their kids, and they would put them on a bus and send them to church, but they wouldn't go themselves. Or they would, or even, even here, I've seen parents bring their children, drop them off to Bible class, and then leave and go get coffee and donuts. At least I heard that's what was happening. I don't put my faith in men. My faith is in God. Because if I put my faith in men, I probably wouldn't come through them doors. But in my 32 years here at West Side, I've seen a lot of souls come and go. Families have moved in. Families have moved away. Many members have raised families while serving here at Westside. And an old, old member once told my, my wife something, and it went along the lines of this. How sweet it is to hear a baby crying, because there was a time when there were no babies here at Westside. And what prevailed was the fear of a dying church. So new mothers, and we have some new mothers, you need not apologize for your loud baby when it's crying. Precious is that sound to our ears. And I want to speak to the young people for just a second before I move on. And maybe not just the young people. Maybe some of us older people need to hear this too. You need to fully understand as well. You will not be ushered into heaven on your parents' coattail. You need to make the faith your own. Mom and dad aren't going to get you there. I've witnessed a few members in my time that have fallen away. And they are no longer faithful to our Lord. Satan has had his way with them. And for those, we pray and we mourn. I also realized that many members have passed on. You know, I was reminded, and all all this has to do with coming to when the role is called up yonder. Don't think I've lost my spot here. I was reminded of where I worked. Uh, This place that I retired from after working there for 39 years. I was working there before I was saved, before I gave my life to God. I wasn't a member of the church growing up. Most of you know that about me. But while working there in those 39 years, I'd seen a lot of people come and go. And at one point when I started a new position there, I got moved from one job to another. I found an old roster of employees' names and numbers. And my my employee number was number 441. I was the 434 41st person to be hired to work for that company. Now I believe the numbers are in the 30,000s. My replacement, his number was 30,012. Anyways, this old roster, this list of employees, was what you might call a role. And when I got that role, that roster, I proceeded to go through it occasionally, and I'd look at the names on that roster, and some of the people left and moved on and went away. Others died, and they were no longer with us because of that, or they had left and died, maybe both. When I was in the service, Every morning, we would have a couple of formations, and we'd have one in the afternoon, too. We'd have one at 5.30 for physical training. And we'd have another one at, after that one at 9 o'clock for to regular, our regular work duty formation. And at each of these gatherings, there would be a roll call. Each member present would, would uh, answer When their name was called, here, present, or present accounted for, when their name was called. And if you weren't there, if you weren't there when the role was called, you better have a good excuse. And by the way, in the military, there were no good excuses. You know, we had an old saying, the maximum effective range of an excuse is zero meters. It goes nowhere. We kind of did the same thing. Maybe y'all did the same thing in school. The teacher would call names and you'd say here, present. Maybe they still do this. this is, these are the things that made me think of this song. When the roll is called up yonder. I believe the term roll call comes from the old days, like before my time, you know, back in Dennis's time, in Tom Steinkirchen's time. Tom's not here today, so I can pick on him. Dennis, you get the brunt. The, the names would be written on a piece of parchment paper, and it would be rolled up, you know, like a scroll. They'd call the names. Is that back in your time, Dennis? Before your time? Actually, the first time I used it, I used Mike O'Neill's name, not Tom. Hence the phrase, roll call. So, so I want to share the true story of the song, when the roll is called up yonder with you at this time. The verses that I picked, and I don't believe they're an exhausted, exhaustive phrase, amount of the verses or all the verses but there were some that I came to that I thought were pertained to this lesson so if you'd like to look them up or take a picture of them and look them up later that's fine we're not gonna look at all these verses but I will read you the story at this time Uh, I will say that the verse I posted show that this is a good a great thing to have your name written in the book of life. It's a good thing to have your name written in that book. And it's a terrible thing to have your name blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. So I'm going to read the story at this time and and I want you to know that we should all want our names to be written on God's roll. James Milton Black wanted his name on God's roll. When James Milton Black came home, his wife saw at once that he was deeply troubled. Tears filled his eyes as he entered his gate. Now he sat down at his piano and in a few moments wrote the words and composed a song that is familiar to most American churchgoers, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. James Milton Black was born on this day, August 19, 1850. 56 in South Hill, New York. He acquired an early musical education in singing and organ playing and knew such famous songsters of his day as Daniel Towner and John Howard. Around 1881, he moved to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where he carried on Christian work through the Methodist Episcopal Church. Teaching music during the week, he was a song leader. Sunday school teacher, and a youth leader in his spare hours. In addition to all this work, he edited hymnals. He loved young people and tried to win them for Christ. One day, as he passed through an alley, he met a ragged 14-year-old girl. <clears throat> Excuse me. She was the daughter of an alcoholic. He invited her to his Sunday school and youth group. And she began to attend. However, one day when he took roll, the girl did not respond. Each child had to say a scripture verse when his or her name was called. Maybe we should do this in class here. That would help the kids to learn, wouldn't it? James saw a lesson in her silence. I spoke of what a sad thing it would be when our names are called from the Lamb's book of life. If one of us should be absent. He was not the kind of man to let the matter die with just a moral lesson. After Sunday school, he went to his pupils' home to find out why she had not showed up for class. He found her dangerously ill and sent for his own doctor. They still made house calls then. The doctor said that she had pneumonia. Since that was before the days of antibiotics, death was highly likely. James returned home. He tried to find a song to fit the thought of a heavenly roll call, but could not locate one. An inner voice seemed to say, why don't you write one? And that is what he did. when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I played the music just as it is found today in the hymn books. Note for note, and I've never dared to change a single word or a note of the song, he said. A few days later, he had the sad opportunity of explaining in public how he came to write the song when it was sung at the funeral of the girl whose absence at roll call had inspired it. Another little more insight to the song. When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, is an 1893 hymn with words and music by James Milton Black. The song was inspired by the idea of the book of life mentioned in the Bible and by the absence of a child in black Sunday school class when the attendance was taken. The idea of being of someone's not being in attendance in heaven haunted Black. And after visiting the child's home and calling on a doctor to attend for her pneumonia, he went home and wrote the song after not finding one on a similar topic in his hymn collection. The song's lyrics were first published in a collection titled Songs of the Soul, and the song has Since been translated into 14 languages and sung all over the world in a variety of Christian denominations, there are more than 500 versions available on such sites as Amazon, recorded by various artists such as Loretta Lynn, Johnny Cash, Jim Neighbors, and Willie Nelson to to the traditional tune. The lyrics have also been set to new music by contemporary gospel artists such as Doris Johnson In 1945, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill created a stir in the British press when he quoted the hymn in response to a question about when the big three were going to meet, stated in the Winnipeg Free Press. Mr. Churchill, in one of his somewhat puckish moods, replied that he did not know, but he added irreverently, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. The British press expressed surprise at Churchill, an Anglican, being familiar with a hymn more associated with Methodism, Presbyterianism, and other chapel denominations over the revival meetings of Dwight L. Moody and Ira D. Sankey, or R.A. Torrey and Charles McCollum Alexander. Whereas the free press speculated that Churchill might have well heard the Catchy tune in the street meetings held by the Salvation Army. He might have also remembered the lyrics from the 1941 movie Sergeant York. The fact of the matter is, we should all want our names written on God's roll. We should all desire to be present and accounted for when the roll. Is called up yonder. Bob Allen, Gene Allen, Clayton Bailey, Philip Brickley, Selma Brickley, Sean Cavender, Paul Chaffin. Ronald Eggert, Ed Fowler, Jean Fowler, Roy Howe, Mary Ann Howe, Thomas Keese, Rena Knowles, Curtis Lawson, Bob Marsh, Coretta McCoy Bill Phipps Ramona Phipps Dorothy Schwartz Larry Smith Violet Struther Harold Struther John Vasey. Ron Walker, Holly Walker, George Westbrook, Velna Westbrook, Betty Westbrook, Leonard Westbrook, Hazel Wilcoxon, Jean Wilcoxon, Jody Wilson, Evelyn Winston Ralph Wright Martha Wright This was by no means an exhaustive list and I apologize for anyone that I left out or overlooked Our God has the true list If you know for certain, if you know for certain that your name is not written in the book, in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can have it written there today. You can have it written there this very day. I think most of us here know what we need to do. But if you're here and you don't need to know, There are people available who are willing to help show you and guide you and teach you the truth that you may know God, that you may know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and for some reason it has been blotted out, and you want it to be put back in, Now is the opportunity, and I would urge you not to delay, for we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Our God is merciful, and he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Please come and add your name to God's role this very day. As we stand and sing the song, it's been slick.